Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. Welcome to the show, what the fuck, Aryans, what the fuckers, whatever the fuck you want to call yourself. I apologize if my vulgarity is offending any of you, but it is the name of the show. We are not uh, having to adhere to any broadcast standards, so I can greet my audience how I want to greet my audience. I appreciate all the emails, all the reviews on iTunes, even if they are just a guy saying one star with the text fart. I don't mind that. If that's as expressive as that guy can be, then so be it. Uh, I'm glad he listened for a little while and all he could come up with was fart. That means he may not be one of my people. On today's show, the amazing, cantankerous, and extraordinarily funny David Cross, who also I uh, lived with briefly in a, in a group home for comedians in Somerville, uh, Somerville, Massachusetts. There are many comedians going in and out of this place. We used to call it the Loser Museum. And if Dave was sleeping at his girlfriend's, I could sleep in his bed. Uh, aside from that, I had to sleep on the couch because that's where I was at at that time. Sleeping on the couch, living out of boxes, waking up when whoever came into the living room with their coffee first woke me up. Contact us at WTFPod at Gmail, or you can follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash WTFPod. You know, I've been also yeah, getting a lot of support from uh, some people online that I want to thank. Uh, obviously, um, iTunes has been very kind. Uh, my buddy uh, Dylan over at PunchlineMag.com, Punchline Magazine, and my friend uh, Sean over at the Comics Comic, uh, you know, I am a comedian, and, and, and it's nice when you get support from the community. I don't know why I don't feel better. I don't, I don't know why I don't feel better. My father has got me on such a, a massive amount of vitamins that I fought for a long time. I fought them. I was like, you know, I'm not going to take vitamins. They're ridiculous. It's a racket. It's stupid. They, there's no way to tell whether or not they're working. Uh, they're ridiculous. Uh, I'm not doing it. And then my memory got weird because I think I was experiencing post-traumatic stress syndrome from my divorce. And that's what I attribute it to. But I also thought maybe um, I'm going stupid because that happens as you get older, too, for a lot of reasons. So eventually I called my dad, which is always a mistake in the sense that if I need him or I agree with him or I do something that he tells me I should do, then I'll hear about it for the rest of my life. So he sends me he's got brochures that he has written about vitamins. He's gotten me on some multivitamin called uh, memory revitalizer, six big old gel caps. I take something called phosphocholine. I'm taking CoQ10. I'm taking magnesium. I'm taking an aspirin. I'm taking fish oil. I'm taking DHEA. And you know what? I don't feel any different than I did before I took them other than I feel a little better than you because I'm taking them. And you can think I'm stupid, but I'm not. So I think the only thing the vitamins have really done for me is given me a certain sense of vitamized elitism that I am. You can say, well, you're that's ridiculous because you're a dummy for taking them. Or I can say maybe, but perhaps I'm now much better than you are. But I also had one of those moments with the, when he sent me all this stuff initially, I was like, what the fuck? I mean, what, how are you going to, who cares? It's not, it's ridiculous. And then of course I crossed over into like, ah, what the fuck? All right. I'll take 900 vitamins a day that cost a fortune. 
Why not? Why not get used to it? We're probably all I need is the vitamin and the fish oil or the uh, aspirin and the fish oil because I hear that's good for your heart. But I got to stop eating two pints of ice cream. And they raised the price of uh, Ben and Jerry's and haagen at my bodega. And, I, and the Yemeni guy would not haggle with me. They don't haggle over ice cream, which I think is bullshit. Give it time. Wait till the economy keeps going further down. We're going to be haggling for everything. Everything. It's going to be great. You can haggle for a newspaper. I don't know. Dollar seems a little crazy. I'll give you 77 cents. Okay. You're like, uh, you're like Chris Rock and I'm going to get you, sucker. You're wandering in there like, like you don't have enough money to buy ice cream. Oh, Matthew. You never haggled for a price on cocaine, did you? No, but I tried to get it given to me. Oh, yeah? What'd you do to, to get that? Dude, I'll pay you later. Did you try that with the Bodega guys? I've done that with them. And do they trust you? And you is your credit good? Yeah. I've seen them. Uh, uh, I see them almost every day. And then I forgot to pay them back. And then two days later, I was like, oh, my God, I got to pay the Bodega guy back. And I brought the $2 in and he gave me, I'm like, here. And he looked at me like, yeah, I get it. I know. You, you know, you overstepped it a little bit. Oh, yeah? Do you, yeah. Think, do you think he sort of passive-aggressively extended you the credit and then resented you later for asking? He's hard to read. He could have been thinking about getting off work. I don't know. I assume that's what, yeah, that's how I take it. Now it's time for, I guess, what, whatever we're calling this, a few with Matthew, my friend Matthew Weiss, who is now developing a cult following as wow, my, really? my sage uh, advisor, the helpful friend thing, funny guy. Don't worry, Mark. I'm still in your reflected glory. I, I hope we understand that relationship because it's not clear to me when, when you call me or email me. It all seems very matter of fact. Very Everything's very practical, utilitarian, if I can throw that word around. Sure. Sort of like, I'm, uh, what time again? I'm confirming for this time. Well, yeah, I have to do that with you, Mark. Do you not, do you not get that from other people? No. I, I Really? No one else expects you to be detailed and on time and specific about the things that you're asking for? Not in a compulsive way where, where the tone is devoid of, of humor or friendship. Now, that is not what I intended it to like, sound like. Like maybe like, hey, I'm still thinking about coming down. Are we doing this? Not like, can I get confirmation, please, for 7 o'clock p.m.? I'm Wait, sorry. I could butter you up a lot more if that would help you. Yeah, it would help me a little you bit. You need the butter, and I'm just giving you going straight to the I, meat. I don't need butter. I, You know, I was talking about vitamins earlier, and I... Like you seem like the kind of person that has tried a lot of things and does everything within your power to work against you know, however you were brought up in order to be a better person. And I appreciate that because I come from the same ilk. And I think I, I was at your house and you had something called, I think um, uh, it was some sort of you know, magic shit powder. It was, a, was it colon cleanse or bowel? I have a few. I have the triple organic fiber from, I forget the name of the company. And then there's another one called Colon Cleanse, which is just the triple organic fiber, but with some other kind of cleansing things. I use that much less frequently, but, but I'm a big believer in fiber supplements, especially if I eat dairy. Because I was going to talk, I was going to talk to Dave Cross about his bowel health. Well, he was, he was. I talked to him recently, and he said he was going to get a colonic. That's uh, that's a little invasive for me. But his girlfriend was the one who suggested it, and it was some sort of interesting. It was some sort of like uh, a, a, a couple's outing. Like, yeah. like where they sit and they get these colonics looking at each other. Now, right. have you ever had one? No, I have not. I mean, I've, I, I've not even been tempted to have one. You know, I do make sure that I get the right amount of sort of fiber and balance because I do have a kind of 
not lactose intolerant system, but just kind of a lactose skeptical system. You know, I have to be very judicious. So I have a couple fiber supplements at the ready. But I, 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 going up there with the giant jet of coffee or water or whatever it is. A coffee colonic? Who the hell has ever heard of that? Oh, me? No? They exist. Am I making this up? Did I, think I, you did I dream have. this? You might have dreamed it. Sounds it. good, though, doesn't it? Justcoffee.coop uh, for the best coffee colonic you can ever get w- by putting it in your mouth. You don't have to actually put it in, a, in an enema bag to enjoy justcoffee.coop. I don't want to get I, can too I scatological do, yeah. here. But can I do we, the, uh, I want to do the uh, tag right. that you made. Which one? Pow! You just might shit your pants. <laughs> See, now this is a highbrow show. Here's my experience with a colonic. My friend Tom had came back from India with some sort of thing that he had in his guts that he couldn't shake. What, what sort of thing? If he knew what it was, he wouldn't have had it for so long. <laughs> so it was one of those secret super Indian things. I, you know, I would a never... A secret super... It's what? It's a secret super Indian disease. A, su- a super secret Indian... What? Bug. The, oh, the bug. Okay, I thought you meant the colonic that he had was some sort of secret no, no, super Indian no, thing. No, something Indian got up in his guts. And then and stayed there. That was his souvenir from India. He came home with uh, an unkillable parasite in his intestines or whatever. That's why, you know, as much Who's as I want... Who's taking revenge there in India? There's no... There's well, no... I, that's why, like, I want to go to India, primarily because I enjoy Indian food, and a lot of Indians I've met seem very friendly, even if they're not friendly, and they, they have a lot... There's, it's very colorful culture. I don't know much about it historically, but I've always wanted to go there because I'm literally enchanted with their cuisine and and with the people that I've met from India. Mm-hmm. And I always talk to cab drivers about it. Yeah, where are you from? You know, not that they're all Indian, but they used to be, many of them. Now I, I don't I don't know what's happening. But you ask them what kind of bugs they brought back? Well that's the thing is like everyone I've talked to who has gone to India, I'm like, well I'm thinking about going and they're like, well you gotta get your shots and then you're probably gonna be sick for uh, at least a week. I'm and like, you're gonna need the colonic when you get what back. what kind of vacation is that? Going into it knowing like, all right, I'm gonna have a really good time if I get past the diarrhea. Yeah. I mean who who plans a vacation around that? Some people have a problem with that, you know. You have to go get a shot to go to certain countries, you know. Right. So I go to go. I wanted to get a colonic because I thought it would. Well, primarily because I have uh, the the I have an eating disorder, and I was just wanted a colonic because I thought, you know, I was doing a lot of drugs at the time. I thought this this is a good way to to clean clean it out for for real. So a sort of anal bulimia. Right. Let's get to the baseline. Let's sure. get, let's let's get to a blank slate. Tabula right. rosa intestines. Right. Can I scrub the inside of myself until I'm raw and bleeding? Well, no, I, well, I don't think it's that. But so I go to this guy, and it turns out he's this little African man, little black man with curly hair and a, a mustache. They, they have that. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying that in a racial way. I'm just saying that he was a, a little a African man, a little black man. Got it. And I walk into this office not knowing what a colonic is, and there, there's. Pictures. Wait, not knowing at all? Not really. I mean, Someone not, just said, Mark, you need to go to this this place. No, I knew just go there, in there. Just go on I in. knew my ass was involved. Okay. And there would be things being put in it. So, And I, you, were up, you were good with that. That was enough it, for you. It, I'm going in. In this context, it seems safe. Sure. Yeah. They, it, it, okay. It was not safe. But it wasn't a couple's thing like Cross. No, it was just me. Right. And I walk in, it's, there's all these pictures from some sort of like tribe somewhere of things that they pulled out of people's asses. <laughs> But what? these weren't these weren't just things. These were like these, you know, large ropes. I don't know what they were eating, but wow. it, it literally looked like you know what they used to make Adobe bricks. <laughs> you know, straw and mud. 
and and like but bound and i'm like oh my god it's like a shit brick house well that's what i said to the guy i said what, what is that a shit snake and he, he he did not stop laughing through my entire no point. one ever told him shit snake no and thank that's god amazing. well thank god that i said it because like it made the experience a lot better because you got to lay on your side and they put this hose inside of you and you can watch it and i talked to watch my, it watch I, what the water come you know go in and out and my friend barry zeger he said to me he said you know you got to do it especially if you've ever eaten sushi because your <laughs> in, your colon is just filled with worms and i'm like how is that possible so i'm looking at this thing like expecting mm. like you know alien to come through it yeah you know like ah! right and i didn't see anything and i know this is a disgusting conversation no but, this is medical but this it was, is please yeah, can we just it be? was uncomfortable but the only thing that made it tolerable was you know every once in a while in the middle of it like he'd go Are you okay this shit snake <laughs> <laughs> Do you take vitamins? I do take vitamins. My grandmother got me on vitamins back when I was like a teenager. Does it help you? I feel great. Is it the vitamins? Yes. It's not the therapy or the yoga or the Alexander technique or your It's all of those things, but the vitamins are part of it. How do you know which vitamins are doing what? I just feel it. What do you take? I just know inside me. What do you take? Okay, I take the multivitamin. Yeah. I take the CoQ10, even though I think it's too early for me to really be worrying about that side of things, but fine. I take that. What does it do? It's an antioxidant. It's a lot. It's a big time antioxidant. It's like a the CoQ10 enzyme is it's for heart disease. It's preventative for heart disease. Oh, good. So it's like you know, it's heart attack stuff. Right. Uh, I take a, a B complex. I take, but then the other the rest magnesium. Of the, what, do you take magnesium? That's in the multi. That's enough for me. I take magnesium. Sometimes separately. I take the uh, magnesium powder. I take magnesium separately. Yeah. Do you yeah. have restless leg syndrome? No, but I, I'm just telling you, I take it separately. Separately? That's the level I'm at with this. You take it orally? No, I, I, I take it, yes. Orally. Right, just checking. It's not in a... Uh, a it could way, be. It could be. It's not in a, a magnesium suppository. Right, That's I was waiting for you to say magnesium suppository. So I also take other things that are not vitamins. Like, like what? 5-HTP. It's like a natural antidepressant, basically. Right. And I also take uh, DL-phenylalanine. Which the research on that is kind of... Is there an abbreviation for that? Uh, DLPA maybe on some I take, uh, on some bottles? I take DHEA. That's something else. That's, a, that's cool. I think I'm going to get into that. That's, that cuts across a lot of my favorite sectors. Mood, health, energy. We're suckers. You know, we might be, but I think you're, you're missing a very keen component to what? the benefits of vitamins. What? You have to believe. You know, the placebo effect doesn't work unless you really believe it's going to work. I believe it works. It's, it's about diff- making yourself believe that something is true. And by your, th- by your believing that something is true, it becomes true. All right. I believe right now that this conversation is done. No, wait. There's, I have one more thing to no, say. No, my belief is stronger than what you have to say. I, wow. Look at that. It worked. David. Hey, man. Your producer sounds like you. You know that? Are you it's serious? Crazy. I, don't, I don't think he does. Yeah, he does. Oh. How you doing? I cannot be the first person who's ever said that. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> um, well, then I'm certainly not the first person who thought it, but was. I'm just not scared to say it. Oh, thank God for your freedom of mind and your, and your courage. Yeah. Uh, on the phone... A dear old friend of mine, a very popular entertainer in all forms, 
Uh, David Cross was uh, one of the creators and uh, and and actors in in um, Mr. Show. He's been in movies. He's a popular stand-up comedian. He has CDs out. Now he's got a book out. Very exciting. Uh, the book is called "There Are Reasons Why I Drink." Hello, David. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm, um, I'm fine. I David. would like to say <laughs> and let everybody know that you are a dear, dear old friend, and I. <laughs> I remember uh, what you look like, yeah, sort of. Um, but the name of the book is "I Drink for a Reason." What did I say? There are reasons I drink. Well, it's similar. So I, so the book is called "I Drink for a Reason." Right. Well, thank God. After what thirty years now, you finally figured out that there's a reason, and it's not a, a problem of some kind. And it's not. Yeah, it's not one reason. It's a myriad of them. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Um, before we get into the reasons, Dave, can I just ask you personally? Because you know, I have known you a long time, right? And uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't had a drink of alcohol in ten years. Ten years. I was going to say you should uh, write a book called "I Don't Drink for Very Many Reasons." Do, do you remember me being a difficult drunk? I mean, do, do you think, in, in retrospect, I don't mean to make it about me, but do you think it was a good idea that I stopped? Oh, absolutely. There's not one. There can't be anybody who knew you when you were drinking that didn't think it was a good idea. I mean, you were. It wasn't like you were um, physically self-destructive to your body, although that is part of the process. But it was more about your uh, uh, manicness and uh, um, self-absorption gets heightened. Yeah, which you I know. thought was spectacular, but I think it alienated people. <laughs> <laughs> it was spectacular in a. In a certain way. Uh, but that is not to say you weren't bitingly clever and sharp and funny. It's just, uh, it was the, it was overbearing. Yeah, but you it, knew that. You knew that. And uh, you were, uh, it was very generous and thoughtful of you to clean up. Yeah, I, I did it. I did it for all of you. And, you know, I, and unfortunately, <laughs> I'm still, you know, overbearing and, and difficult at times. But now let's shift the focus to you because I actually got uncomfortable with all that focus on me, which is rare. <laughs> Which is only a mark Dude, of... Dude, you are a pleasure now. Come on. You're oh. a treat. Oh, that's sweet. There so, really is a huge difference. Well, I, uh, I, I feel better. You know, I, I, feel, uh, I feel like I, I socialize a little better. And, and I th oh, also... Yeah, absolutely. You don't... You, don't, uh, you, you know, what, what makes you charming and interesting, you never cross the line anymore into what you used to be like, which was, you know, needy and overbearing and, you know, all that stuff. But you don't... I mean, you're a pleasure to be around. You're fun. You know? Yeah, I I think that if you were to ask my producer whether the needy, overbearing part was still intact, I think I save it for just very special people in my life. Well, look, that's always going to be part of your charm and your your uh, right emotional uh, spiritual makeup. You know. Yeah, I'm just um, trying to I'm trying to figure out how that makes money. That's eluded me. Needy, overbearing, <laughs> generally not so. Like if I put that on the blurb of a book, I don't know that people would pick it up and go, "I this is a must have." Like. <laughs> Let's try it out. Right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I spent five or ten years trying to make bitterness appealing, and, and it took me a very long time to realize that it just reads as self pity if you're not really good at it. I drink for a reason. Now, when when you wrote this, uh, it, how long did it take you to develop this idea? How 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 did you come up with the framework for this book? Because it's selling really well. I mean, it like started on the bestseller list at the New York Times, which is great. But like when you were coming up with it, how how did you decide that was the framework of it? Well, it be, it, it, it's not necessarily the framework in a uh, calculated or... Um, uh, you don't go, say, you, don't, you don't say like reason one. Right. No, okay, there's right. none of that. I just, I came up with the title later. I, uh, it's a lot of uh, uh, kind of 
you know, uh, different little pieces, some, some heady and, uh, you know, uh, rants. Are you do, you hey, Dave, Dave. As, a, as a whole, then there's your I drink for a reason. Right. Are you, uh, are you doing something while you're talking to me? Like, uh, like, you know, putting the phone in and out of your ass or something? No. Is the connection bad? I don't know what I don't know what's going on. Like sometimes you sound really clear, and then other times it sort of muffles. Like you're like you're like you may be washing dishes. Oh, it could be my hand. It could be my hand or or my beard. I'm pressing. I have a big now. It sounds beard. now it sounds really good. Okay, it was my hand. It was on my hand. Oh, so you were you were cupping the the receiver. I was cupping. I was cupping my balls, and, 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 and now I'm not. And oh. I have the Bluetooth down near where my balls are. So All that right, probably. Did you That's re- what I meant by beard. Oh, did you <laughs> Did you read the instructions on how to use a Bluetooth? It goes on your ear. Oh, uh, you know what? My thing is smudged. <laughs> the word ear looks... Okay, makes sense, though. I thought that was weird. <laughs> Why did I have to picture your balls with a Bluetooth on them? Why did I need that today? Hey, so, man, you, you're the one. Yeah. You ask yourself. Yeah, I put it... I that. know, I know. I put it in my head. I did right. that. So basically, it's just it was just a, a way for you to to be yourself and write about what you wanted to write about. Yeah, uh, eventually it was. Uh, um, I actually got an extension on it because uh, I I initially got a uh, the the approach to do it, and the contract I signed uh, had this language about uh, making it somewhat more specific about you know fictional short stories, and I still you know I was like okay cool and. I was having a, a great deal of difficulty with that, and, and very few of the things I wrote in the first, uh, say, seven or eight months are in this book. I mean, there was just so much crap. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I read it, and I hated it. Wait and, a minute. Uh, wait. You were, it, you were trying to write short stories for the book? Yes. That's what I thought it was supposed to do. <laughs> that, and then that, the not... publishers changed. It went from Warner Books to Grand Central. <laughs> and uh, I had a different editor and all that. And then... It was really the the dumbest when you think about it. Really bad communication. But uh, then I was panicking. I mean, really stressed out and panicking. Like I'm never going to finish this on time. This is crazy. I can't do this. And uh, you know, also I wasn't just uh, focusing on a book. I was doing you know five other projects. But um, and then I called and I was like, dude, I this I sucks. I can't you know these things. I can't even turn anything in. It's, it's garbage. Da da da. And then in the course of that conversation, I was like, I need an extension. Uh, you know, and I said, I, I just haven't written short stories before and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, all right, don't write short stories. Or you can write whatever you want. Really? Oh. Yeah. And so we actually went and had to get the contract and just take out that, like, it was literally in one sentence, the, the description of what the book is and change it to, you know, humorous pieces. Well, uh, yeah, it has to be and, like a, a memoir. I mean, I can't even imagine. Not that you're not a creative guy, but it, like you know, let's let's it's talk. It's not a memoir, though, Mark. It's not. But I mean, it's 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 essays. It's point of view stuff. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it, it's point yes. of view essays. Whereas, like, I just like to know what was like short story number four about. Um, I swear to God, I was writing. Uh, I'll tell you some of the things I wrote <laughs> that I just trashed. Um, I mean, the ideas are good, but I just couldn't finish it. One was a guy who, after reading Wilt Chamberlain's autobiography, decides to try to, and advertises it, to sleep with 20,000 women for charity. <laughs> you know, like somebody goes and gets sponsors for a 10K run. So there's that. There was a piece I wrote about the the whole world getting together and deciding, <laughs> and getting together and deciding 
they don't care about the Jews anymore. There's only like 2.8 percent of them. Let's that, just fucking get rid of them. Let's all agree, yeah, that, and we'll, our lives will be better. That's actually happening. <laughs> and then another story was about oh, uh, all the models go on strike, um, so there's no models for anything. <laughs> yeah. um, and these are like some of these some of these things would be better as sketches and. Um, it's so hard uh, to do that to like to, I mean I I I got I feel bad for you because like you, you you know we're not essentially you know prose writers so you know the pressure no, to actually create it, it shorts was, are- it was uh it was a painful like I I wish I had made the phone call earlier cuz they were so like Oh yeah, you don't have to do that. Do whatever, and then we got the contract change in in ten days. It was all different. And I was, and then it started to flow better. But I was bumming. Like, but like I can't because I, I I I know you well well enough to know that that you know you you don't you know you don't. Uh, uh, entertain panic that well. I just, I just see you pacing and talking, yelling at your girlfriend, like, I can't do this. I can't. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, <laughs> exactly it. That was exactly And it. then, like, and, you know, uh, making it about her. It's like, well, I'm not that kind of writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I thought, I thought um, maybe I could be, you know, uh, like, of course, you know, like George Saunders or those, those kind of New Yorker pieces are like, I can do that. And uh, I, it was about as frustrating uh a task as I've ever had. So you're up in the, where, you're up, uh, up in upstate New York now? No, no, no. I just got back. I had to do the Brooklyn book festival. So I was up there for all tomorrow's parties, drove back to do the book festival, uh, and then leave for, uh, the tour, uh, Wednesday. Awesome. That's going to be great. So like upstate, like I'm trying to picture you, you know, cause like I said, I mean, I remember, and I'm sure you miss this, these days where, there was about four to seven of us living in a, an apartment in Somerville and I would sleep on the couch unless you were at your girlfriends and I'd sleep in your room. And we were all very sort of, uh, you know, we knew each other's, you know, shit smells and, and habits yeah. and, and eating and stomach disorders. And, 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 you know, there was different things cooking and you were very much, uh, you had the recipe for ramen with an egg and it was all very oh, essential. I think Christino turned me on to that, I believe. I was thinking about um, him the other day, but uh, let's not name drop. But um, is there ever a moment where you're you're nostalgic to be in that kitchen with the, you know, 20 different people's cooking ware and... and no, uh, no. I think there was, um, there, there were times uh, when I was really uh, overwhelmed with work and uh, responsibility that I look back on some of those days, perhaps uh, over-romanticize them, but, but thinking, wow, I remember laughing so much then. Not necessarily hard, but a lot. We laughed a lot. I mean, I read some statistics somewhere that uh, the average person laughs like four times a day or something really depressing like that. And, you know, we were laughing four times in a minute. Yeah, it was kind of... Kinda... I mean, not that I'm I'm not happy now and I don't laugh a lot, but... I just remember as really awful as some things were, um, and especially for me. I mean, more, you guys were, uh, I'd say half of that apartment was more successful than the other half. You know, uh, you and Louie and, uh, um, you know, uh, there were there were a good number of you guys who were doing pretty well. Louis you know? C.K., did, did, did Louis C.K. live there? 
he didn't, but I'm just talking about the, I mean, he was a roommate at one point when we were in the... Oh, dude, I, I remember those times because, like, you were you were so, we did laugh constantly, and I, and I know what you're talking about, because there was that, that system of work in uh, in Boston before any sort of, um, before they could indulge anybody that did anything, you know, outside of, you know, standard stand-up, where, you know, you and I would go on the road and and uh, and it was like, you, you know, Mike Clark and the Comedy Connection, all these gigs where you'd go to these pubs and these bars in the yeah. middle of nowhere and you would get on stage and they just didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. I also uh, am culpable. You know, it was my fault also for not making things easier. You know, what about and, what about Jimmy's in Dedham? <laughs> uh, were you there that night? No. But what happened? OK, I went up. um and just to sort of describe it, it was a like a two-tiered bar, but the, the next level had no real wall to it. It was behind the bar, and you took like three steps up to get to that next level. Right. Um, and it was all open. And it was like this biker bar, and uh, uh, I think it was with Don. I want to say, no, DJ Hazard, actually. Uh, so it's just fold-out metal chairs and a Radio Shack mic. Yeah. No stage. You're just standing you know, floor yeah. level with everybody. <laughs> and I, and keep in mind, the mic was just that crunchy, bad, awful <laughs> mic sound. Right, and right. Uh, the music, they don't turn the music off. The music's still playing and everything. And I go up and I'm doing stand up for, you know, no more than five, 10 minutes. And uh, this guy who's absolutely faced starts staggering up the steps and there are, uh, um, you know, everybody starts going, oh, shit, Frankie's here. Oh, no. Oh, shit. Look at Frankie. Oh, here comes Frankie. And this guy's stumbling, lurching. I mean, barely had his eyes open. And I made the total amateur mistake. You go, oh, well, Frankie's here. Uh, apparently, Frankie has something to say. What do you got to say, Frankie? And I hold the mic out like I'm, like I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, like just sort of put it to his face. And he comes up alongside me, puts me, he's a big guy, puts me in a bear hug. So now the mic is now, and my hand is right next to my mouth, and he starts licking me. <laughs> like really awful, long, boozy, nasty looks. And people are howling. <laughs> and the more they're laughing, the more he loves it. And isn't he funny and clever? And, and basically standing on my tiptoes with the mic, making sounds like, oh, God, oh, come on. He's like squeezing me and... Uh, <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing, and people are howling, laughing at me, pointing, and uh, and then uh, I think you know DJ Hazard was just like, "All right, that's enough. Come on." That was like you know maybe fifteen minutes away from the you know the pool table raping, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff happened in those weird New England towns. And it was you know it was one of those things where when you're done, you don't just get to exit through the back stage door. I mean, you have to go through the crowd. You have to go to the manager. You have to wipe your face off, go through the manager. Hey, man, I need to get paid and have to oh, hang yeah. out with everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst. It's like, and then there was like those gigs on like the, you'd go to Nantucket and not only could you not leave the club, you couldn't leave the island. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember being, you know, locked in some sort of band dorm with Mike Moto, you know, for, <laughs> you know, for an entire night. And then the, 
Or there's a time where I was at some place down in one of those New England towns where they they actually it was a horrible gig and the guy gave me cash at the bar and there were two guys sitting at the bar looking at the transaction and I was with Kim. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember you telling me about this. Right, and I just knew I'm like they're gonna roll us, and yeah. like and, and and I said to Kim who who I hadn't been married to yet the first wife, I said uh, when we get to the door just bolt with me to the car <laughs> so we get to the door and we just lit out for the car and sure enough right when we walked out those two guys came out into the parking lot and yeah. we're oh my god it, it was if you really think about it it was it was relatively unsafe in a lot of ways yeah yeah and another great story i don't know if we've told it on the air that uh, that i i just will never forget was um when you were living in somerville and uh i came over one day and you had decided to cook do you remember what I'm talking about? And you had taken like those packages of mixed beans that you buy at the supermarket. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, right, you, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah, and you put like you maybe put like five or ten packages of these beans into a huge pot, and they had about an inch of water above them, and you would you would cook them for like hours, and it looked like lava. And it was just this weird bubbling mess. And I said, you know, that's not how you cook them. You gotta, you know, you gotta soak them and. And and you committed to them, and you froze them, and and you. I think I think I remember you had gas for like weeks. Yeah, it was really bad. It was more. It was. It, it, it wasn't just simply gas. It was something that. Uh, and I and I was stubborn. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that was the problem. And I'd be like, No, it's fine. It's good. I don't know what you're talking about. It's uh, <laughs> the beans. Big deal. Whatever. Put some hot sauce on them. We're good to go. And. Uh, so and stubborn. I ate, uh, yeah, a gallon of that stuff and really uh, did some damage. Uh, it was like Abu Ghraib bad. Yeah, I, I I remember that. God, there, God, it's so weird that like I've known you for so long. I mean, I actually knew you. The first time we met was when we were in college. You remember it? Yeah. Stitches. Were you there the night somebody threw? I just told the story. I did an interview uh, a couple uh, prior to this. Uh, and they were like, what's one of the worst memories, you know, doing stand-up? And were you there at the old stitches when somebody threw the glass ashtray at me? It missed me. It didn't hit me, but it hit the wall. It didn't break either, but it hit the wall behind me. No. I think Amy Silver was bartending there, maybe. What What had you done? Oh, I don't remember at all. I mean, the, whatever I'd done completely vanished from my mind uh, outside of somebody. Uh, and it was also the same night that... A guy was saying, it could have been the same guy too, saying next, uh, and uh, he had his arms folded and his feet were up in the chair in front of him. He was just leaning back. The worst. Next! And, oh, and that place was like as pretty of a club as it, as it was, that original Stitches was just hard as fuck. Yeah. And but, then, I, you know, the guys who worked there were really, uh, you know, like George McDonald and... Uh, Barry Crimmins and... Crimmins and all those guys were, were pretty nice to me, you know, were... were uh, oh, Yeah helpful very yeah. supportive yeah they, there were some good cats up there and then i picked up again with you like when you first moved to la because yeah. i remember coming to your house when you lived in silver lake with jack bulware at like three in the morning and we were all drunk and and you were showing us videos of orson wells drunk <laughs> oh yeah yeah that was the um pre-internet days when people would pass around videotapes and you'd go uh right you know like oh i got this great tape of uh i got bud dwyer shooting himself in the head from a different angle. This is from an aerial shot. Yeah. So uh, now you didn't get the colonic. We, we, I was really hoping no. the other day, the thing I was most excited about because you were going to come in was that you were just be post colonic, but you haven't had it yet. No, we had to, uh, uh, 
you know, go up to, um, we had to leave to go to all tomorrow's parties or something. There was something we had to do that just wasn't going to work out. I can't remember what it was. Are you going to do it? I mean, I'll do it. I'm not opposed to it. We've got it. Um, we've got to do it. And I, and you know, uh, uh, I, I, I can't imagine it's that bad for you, and it would actually be. Uh, no, yeah, I'm I, actually excited about it on some level. I, I just want to have the first post colonic interview. We'll have to have you on the show even for like five minutes. I promise. Because Brendan has had a colonic. I've had one. We all have our own experiences with these and reasons for doing them. But yours is is actually an interesting reason. It's it's out of love that you are your your girlfriend has gotten you involved in some sort of uh, couples colonicking, which I think is terrific. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how it works. It sounds ridiculous, but um, it also sounds like it's funny and would be a good story. I don't know. I, I uh, guess I'm just like trying to figure out what the, I mean, after two marriages and, you know, and uh, like, I don't even like I yeah, I look back at some of my relationships and I'm not even sure how they started. I just knew that I was living with somebody all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have those uh, memories where it's sort of like, where did that even, I just remember we hung out a couple of times and then her stuff was in my bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, I mean, the kind of thing where, you know, you've lived with yourself for your entire life. And those moments that I assume happen is like, you know, married couples who've been married for 20 years where somebody gets up early and like, all right, we got to go to the airport. And you're like, huh, who the fuck are you? Who, how, who? who are you? I want to sleep. I don't want to go to the airport. What are we? Oh, it's, it's so it's so weird and hard. Let's uh, close up with something uh, exciting. Uh, uh, I, I drink for a reason and the tour starts when next week, uh, it'll start the 19th in San Francisco. I go to, there's book signings and show dates. So I go, if, if you go, I have a page on Facebook, uh, it's called the official David Cross page. There's also a, somebody who's Twittering called the real David Cross. That's not me. I know. I I fell for it. Yeah, uh, that is not me. But um, the official David Cross, I think, is the name of the Facebook page that has all the stuff. And start on the West Coast on the 19th in San Francisco. And uh, coming to a theater near you. Five weeks. That sounds fun, man. And uh, uh, when you do these book signings, have you been shocked and and, uh, weirded out by any fans at all, or has it been pretty good? No, I mean, I've only done two. And uh, um, I pretty much know what to expect now, you know. Um, oh, I will tell you this, though. This is great. Um, uh, or did I tell you this already about Whoopi Goldberg? No. Okay, so I did a book signing at Borders in Columbus Circle, and I had done an interview with some, like, AM New York or one of those papers. I think it was AM New York. And they talked about the book, and they said, oh, you, you, know, you have some... Uh, Harsh words for Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, you know, was there a reason for that? And I said, well, there's not a. Um, I just, I, I think she's a good actress. I just don't find her funny. I don't think she's ever said anything funny in her life. And um, and they were kind of pressing me on stuff. I said, there's a, there is something that I uh, behavior that I witnessed that would, had nothing to do with me. Um, and I only was sort of there to see it. But um, when Bob and I did, uh, Bob and Kirk and I did Comic Relief, we came in for a tech rehearsal. And John Moffat, who was, uh, I'm not sure what, he was either producing or directing or something. Um, but he was, uh, he was our guy and Mr. Show and a great guy and I uh, really liked him and good guy to work with. And we came in, we're sort of, it's in Radio City Music Hall, and we're sort of kind of standing there waiting for somebody to 
sort of tell us what to do. And uh, they're rehearsing something, and I I don't even remember what the deal was, but uh, she went off on this guy, like in a like in a bad, comically bad kind of, you know, you I mean, it was just really uh, awkward and uncomfortable. And you know, Bob and I never forgot it too. It was just weird, and you know, never said hi, and uh, not that that's a reason to not like somebody, but. Um, like Robin Williams could not have been friendly or jumped off the stage, said hi to us, thanked us for doing it. He was proud to have us on, et cetera. And, you know, the other two didn't even acknowledge us. And, uh, did you improvise? Anyway. Did you improvise back when he did that? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, no, he was, he was, uh, very, very genuine. And, and it was no, a very a, nice a gesture guy. that he made, you know? Sweet guy, yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, but that's not a reason to dislike somebody. I've just never thought she was funny. And I, and her one woman show, I said something along the lines of, you know, that should be uh, put in a time capsule as a as a as evidence of how far white liberal guilt will elevate something that to success that it shouldn't deserve. And wow, um, good one. Talking about her her, her original one woman show, right? You know, right, sure, sure. Just trite and easy, and you know, whatever. Anyway, so they printed this stuff. So I get to the bookstore, and there's a really nice package with a very nice box um, of cookies and a note. Uh, you know, it's from Whoopi, and it says, uh, heard you're not a fan. Uh, uh, that's okay. I'm paraphrasing here. I've like, heard you're not a fan. Uh, that's okay, but get your facts straight. Whoopi. And it said, P.S. for the record, I never yelled at a director, you know, for comic relief. And so I sent her back a uh, basket from Edible Arrangements <laughs> saying, uh, dear Whoopi, Thank you for the cookies, some quip, some joke. And then, uh, but please do get your facts straight. You did yell at a director. It was John Moffat, or I don't know what his capacity was there. I was standing right there. So was Bob Odenkirk. Uh, we've talked about it before. So, you know, there you go. But it was really weird to have, have you an heard? argument through gifts. Uh, <laughs> through edible flowers and cookies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you haven't heard back from her? No, I, I imagine that'll be that. Well, you better watch it. They'll have you on The View, and you'll be forced into a dance number or something. Yeah, that was the um, the publishing company's idea of how to promote the book uh, when I went to for a meeting there. Yeah. Only one. Never went again. Yeah. Uh, they were very excited because they were going to try to get me on The View and the Good Morning America. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see you on either of those shows. That not would be me. hilarious. Yeah, it's, would be. I said it, you know, I, I'm not trying to be difficult, but I think it would actually be detrimental. I think I don't trust myself not to. Oh God, it'd be spectacular. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish um, you would do it, but thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And let's do it again. All right, man. Thanks. All right, Dave. Talk Good to you later. To you. Bye. I have a smaller, but it's a fairly important uh, WTF moment, a serious what the fuck moment. And that is Tom DeLay, the ex-congressman from Texas, Tom DeLay, the guy who almost single-handedly made Congress a money laundering front, Tom DeLay, the criminal who barely escaped indictment in the Jack Abramoff scandal, Tom DeLay, the worst example of an American politician that has ever lived, is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. What the fuck? I mean, I, I know there's no justice, 
But people like him should not, at least not be allowed to ingratiate themselves to the people who watch Dancing with the Stars and find it sweet as, as being a human. I mean, he's not a human. He's a criminal. Yeah, his dance card should be full, but it should be in prison. And he should be wearing a dress. Tom DeLay should seriously be in, in prison and be the bottom. An involuntary bottom in a prison situation. And if he's dancing, it should be because he has to and he should be crying. That's all I'm saying. I think I found out a solution to some relief of what the fuck. The great question. Now, I'm going to tell you this story because I'm pretty sure that it's not going to get back to this person. But it's something I, I almost find respectful. Like, I have respect for this. And a lot of people would dismiss it as some sort of insanity on my part and on the part of who's involved in this story. There is a woman that lives in my apartment. She's got to be in her mid-70s. Her name is Mary. She's a short little Italian woman that has lived in my apartment building probably for 50 years. I know she's a widow. I know she lives alone. And when I see her, she is the sweetest little woman that I've ever met. My She lights up. She's like, Mark, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. So nice to see you. Did they fix that thing in the door yet? Had you talked to our landlord about it? Oh, I'm so glad you're back around, Mark. It's nice. Just a doll. And my neighbors had told me about this, but I never believed it. My friend Jody lives across the hall from her, and, and Jody said that she screams in her apartment. And I'm like, no, that can't be. And she says, yes, not only does she scream, but it's dirty. And I'm like, stop it. Mary, stop it. And I'm walking up the stairwell the other day, and I hear something in the back. Like, let me get a little far away from the room. I hear you motherfuckers, you motherfuckers, you cunts, you cunts, you're all black, you cunts, you fuckers, how do you, why'd you fuck that hua? That hua's a cunt, and you can go fuck yourself, you motherfuckers, and I'm like, oh my God, it's coming from Mary's apartment, and I stuck my head to her door, and I just hear her on a tirade. You're all cunts. You're all whores. Why'd you fuck her, you motherfuckers, cunts? You fuck each other, you whores. And I'm like, oh my God. That is Mary. And she does not know I'm standing outside. And I was so pleased inside to share that moment with her, to know that that is in that woman. Because you know what? It's obviously making her feel better. She's alone. She's getting it out. I don't know if the TV's on. I don't know if it isn't. Some people would say, well, she's crazy. She has Tourette's syndrome. Maybe she's just had enough. Maybe that's what she has to do to get it out of her. I don't know who she's talking to. A lot of it was racially inappropriate and and quite surprising. But you know what? She's not talking to anybody. And when I see her, she's like, hi, Mark. How are you? It's so nice to see you. And behind closed doors, you motherfuckers, you whores, you whores. And, and I said, you know what? Maybe that's something we should all be doing a little bit more of. Maybe that will relax us. It's almost like a gestalt or a primal scream therapy. Matthew says that's been discredited. But, but nonetheless, how can it not be helpful? I know I've done that on stage. 
But I think it would make me happier if I was just in my apartment by myself. I do see the relief there, but I just wanted to share that, that that is, a, you know, one woman's way of, of answering the question, what the fuck? Have you thought about the possibility, though, that maybe there are actual, like, black people and whores standing on her fire escape <laughs> fucking each other, and she's just screaming at them? <laughs> you motherfuckers, you whores, you fuck each other. <laughs> see, now, you know, now I wish my uh, apartment was on the other side of the building. <laughs> All right, that's our show. And as always, please feel free to uh, email us at uh, WTFPod at Gmail with your what the fuck moments. We'll get more into those as time goes on. Twitter.com slash WTFPod. David Cross was my guest. I want to thank my buddy Matthew as well for coming by. I want to thank the folks of Punchline Magazine and the Comics Comic. And if you want to, you can get my CDs right here on iTunes. Also, if you're in Chicago this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, I will be at the Lakeshore Theater performing Scorching the Earth, a brutal and funny dark meditation on divorce, anger, drugs, and love. Talk to you later.